Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com. And use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, EndoDecoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, EndoAligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for joining us in another episode of Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain the country's terribly episodic uh, laws regarding certain plants and other botanicals uh, so that you can change them. I'm your co-host, Cannabis Industry Lawyer Tom Howard. We have a good one today. Our big story is on hempcrete. And before we dive into that, I want to give shout outs to our sponsors, Collateral Base and also Homegrown Seed Co. Uh, you can go to our blog, CannabisIndustryLawyer.com and sign up for our newsletter to be able to get those types of offers from them. Uh, and there's also a link tree down there. So, you know, hit your likes, subscribe, and then stick around with us to the end because we'll take your questions, uh, especially our members' questions. And if you're a member, we really, really appreciate that. Uh, our, our leading, breaking, big old story that we have today uh, is going right now. And let's get into it because hempcrete is something that maybe you care about and that's why you've tuned in. And if that's why you've tuned in, thank you so much for doing that. Smash them likes. Love it. Yo, what's yes. up? Hey, Cody right. Peterson, Dr. Cody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and before we get to the hempcrete story, which is really awesome, by the way, can you introduce yourself a little bit to the podcast so that we can you know, familiarize yourself? Absolutely. I just hope I can intro as suave as, as you did here, sir. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, you've been doing this. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's great, though. Uh, so my name is Dr. Cody Peterson. I'm a clinical pediatric pharmacist, and I also have my master's degree in medical cannabis science. That's sort of why I'm qualified to be chit-chatting about this. Um, who, what I do is I'm the chief science officer of the Conigma. We're a science-forward cannabis media company who's trying to help educate the world and bridge the gap. It, all these problems created by prohibition, we just want to help resolve communication around them as best we can because we know that Google is a tricky place. I'm also the founder of a nonprofit, the Pharmacist Cannabis Coalition of California, that's trying to do the same thing except between the Board of Pharmacy, the Board of Cannabis Control, and, and uh, consumers and, and physicians. So 
I'm really a proponent in the medical cannabis space. Hempcrete is not my specialty, but I am a big fan of planet Earth. So I'm, I'm nice. down to talk about things that are, that are good for the planet. Let's do it, because that's our lead yeah. story. Miggy, you had it pulled up, man. Where's this coming out of? Hempcrete insulation receives certification in the United States for residential building codes. Uh, coming in 2024, you might have the opportunity to use a hemp-based product for your insulation. Yeah, no, I think this is huge. You know, uh, <clears throat> even though you don't have any experience in the uh, hempcrete, Cody, you know, this is all about, like, policy, this is what Tom and I are always talking about policy. This is the sexiest podcast that talks about the legislation. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah, not the, but this shit's important yeah. though, man. Yeah. Cause like when we talk about floor action, we are literally talking about bills being introduced and debated and voted <laughs> on and not like something that a 13 year old be like, Oh, floor action. Huh? What's that? <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it is not anywhere close to yeah. being salacious. Uh, but it's really, really cool that they have this um, uh, this new product that's coming out. And so the hemp building industry scored a victory when the International Code Council approved hemp lime uh, insulation in the model of United States building codes at a public hearing in Louisville, Kentucky. So, you know, shout out to Kentucky. One day, I hope that your cannabis laws make sense besides <laughs> the hemp ones. You know, like the medical aspect of Kentucky is just terrible. Yeah. Uh, published next year, and uh, it will. It's going to be the foundation for residential codes in 49 out of 50 states, aside from Wisconsin, which makes no sense. <laughs> what were they doing in Wisconsin during the approval? You know, they're like, no, 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 no we're not into like, this. Like, you know, the international residential code shall not apply in Wisconsin for some <laughs> yeah. reason. Well, I mean, this nope. all comes down to like kind of like companies, right? States are like individual little companies, and somewhere along their legislation it says. Uh, FDA, federal law, you know, like there's an agreement there. And, I, and that's probably what's going on here, right? Like, why is Wisconsin so special? I, you know, I've worked with other companies where it's like the old part of the company always has this little line that says, you know, save the the employees or whatever. You know, there's always some little set part there. So probably like with that, like why Wisconsin doesn't want to be part of like, say, forward progress and like, you know, common sense. Like this is the whole shit we've been preaching about. Right. Like mm -hmm. you say, like the earth. <laughs> yeah. And we're not talking about something crazy here. We're not even talking about something people are consuming. We're talking about the stuff we stuff inside of walls between wood right. and plaster. And yeah. I would point out mm -hmm. that what we used to put in there, it's called asbestos, causes cancer. So like hempcrete, we know, isn't isn't as bad as that. So well, what I mean, about <laughs> uh, the other stuff after asbestos? Then we're they started fiberglass. using fiberglass. Mm, yeah. That's it's still right. in the fiberglass. It's yeah, a lot of it's still fiberglass. And so Correct. you take glass, make it into a fiber. And that sounds like it's going to require silica and um, coal uh, because that's how they usually make glass. And then not only that, um, ouch. I mean, like, how is fiberglass made? Is it is it different than like, because this says, look at that. Uh, this is what's going to be in, in the possible uh, insulation materials of the future, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, this approval allows for hempcrete. It is a mixture of hemp herds or shiv made from hemp stalks and a lime binder that creates a long-lasting fibrous insulation for wall assemblies. Uh, yeah. And so, like, how is that worse than fiberglass? Why is yeah. fiberglass something they invented instead of this? You know, that's the weird thing, to me at least. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think it, everything's an evolution, right? So we find what works. We find that, well, here's what we know about insulation, right? It, we need things that capture air because air itself, a vacuum is like this best insulator. So that's what mm. fiberglass insulation in the walls does. It helps trap air that can help serve as insulation. Now, okay. what, what hemp has working for it is in those shivs, these are very porous. It's a very porous part of the plant. The shiv is actually the inside core of the hemp plant. It's not like the, the sturdy fiber part that runs along the outside of, of the oh. stalk. It's actually the, the herd on the inside, which is a much softer, spongier part of the plant, if you've ever chopped open the, your, your stalk. Mm -hmm. Now, that herd serves as an air pocket, and the lime, which is not as green as we would like, the lime portion serves as, as sort of binding it all up and almost serving like the cement around this hemp herd. Mm. That hemp herd um, can be harvested from the hemp plant, but the lime still needs to be mined from the earth. We need oh, sure. to find limestone and, and sort of a mix of clays that we take, and then we have to process those into lime. So it is not a perfect process yet, yeah. uh, but it is definitely less, uh, you know, carb CO2 emitting than cement. Um, right. And also we have carbon capture in the process of growing hemp. And this is not the only thing we'll use that hemp plant for. This is only the inside. We still have the fibers. We still have maybe the flowers and all sorts mm. of other stuff. So I think that's what, what hemp's bringing to the table. It's not a fix-all solution for the planet, but it's a, it's a common sense solution. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just seems like the world's catching up to all these activists from the 60s, right? All this, you know, in, in the 80s even, you know, the, the hemp cannabis is this like multi-diverse plant that can be both a good Friday night medicine and also a tree or hemp creek. You know, it's the policy that's catching up and, and also the industry because you had to prove uh, enough bandwidth for growers, farmers to be able to grow and, and feel safe that they can grow. And, and that's kind of like, you know, the CBD, everybody jumped on the CBD craze to grow hemp, but they forget that there's a whole industrial byproduct of paper and hemp creek and, and things, cloth can, you know, replace cotton. Other stuff that we yeah. may figure out if we could actually give them subsidies and allow them to do research. It's like uh, they're using lime and, and uh, some other stuff that goes into cement to create that binding agent. Yeah. Telling me that you can't do that from hemp. Like it, it, it are there other like you know oils and fats that are in the thing that might be able to do the binding itself? Because there's it's a pretty sticky plant as well. Yeah. Uh, still, the interesting thing is it's all that bias and that prejudice, and we saw that this week out of the Senate. And so, Marijuana Moment is reporting that GOP senator has blocked a bipartisan marijuana research bill from expedited Thursday vote, despite calling for more studies. And so this comes out of the marijuana moment from a few days ago, and they 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 reuse this one all the time. Uh, but that is a John Cornyn. Yeah, John Cornyn uh, has he's talked about the importance of cannabis research several times, but they objected uh, uh, to the bill. And it's one of these things where it's known as hotlining a bill, where they have uh, everybody's agreed to it, but then at the same time they go, "Yeah, I know we've agreed to this, but screw you because I have a point that I'm trying to make." Corden yeah. is the, the, one of the crazy ones, man. Like I'm saying, like now, policy is not going to happen. Even this is what we talk about. There's there's things that's going to for real happen, and there's things that have happened, like the Morac being frozen in in time. Uh, uh, you, three years, you know. So it's like this is essentially talk about with with the, with the, with the crazy Republican side of the party. I don't think shit's going to ever get moved. Like they're this coming up November is is a huge time. I totally forget that. Oh shit! There's an election coming up. Like, hey, vote Democrat. Really, 35, all 37 days. 
37 say, days, something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's right. We don't talk, yeah. Right. It's coming up so fast. And, and, and the world could change just like that. If like more Republicans get in the, in the thing, as far as like women's Herschel rights. Walker could be in the Senate, Senate with Dr. Oz. Yeah. Oh my God. It, I just, it, that is ridiculous. It feels yeah. a little bit like we built a kind of mediocre dam and it's been yes. raining for a while, but we know <laughs> the monsoon is coming. <laughs> Right. And we just gotta hope that we can divert the water the way we need. <laughs> but the fact uh, that you could just sell it, sell it, sell it, just get out of here, just be like, "Hey, it's your problem." Hey, where'd it go? All right, uh, we're, we're <laughs> I'm going to high ground. I'll see you later. <laughs> but these weirdos are like they actually have a voice, which is just as strong as your voice. So that's why it's more important for you to show up than ever to the polls. And you know, most people don't want to say it, but like I haven't seen a Republican plan. I just see a lot of anger. You know, it's always like, well, the immigrants and policing and we're going to do more. But what's what's the plan? What's the how do you address things? And like with legalization, you know, it's like treating addictions and things like that are part Mm of a, you know, common society, making a better social. Like, isn't that the whole point? Uh, And this is an uh, easy sell, right, Mickey? Like, come (laughs) on, dude, this is this is an herb. And we're talking about being allowed to put it into people's walls or to research it. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, where where does this stigma stop and we move past it? I, I hope that time is soon. But you're absolutely right. We maintain and, and this stalemate for no good reason. And yeah. cannabis legalization is a nonpartisan issue. This is this so. is everybody in America or the vast majority mm-hmm. of everyone supports this. I would think it so. Is, but then they don't. That's the problem. Like they're, they're so polarized that they don't agree on how to do what they both support. Like, yeah, I want to do that, too, but not like that. Oh, that won't benefit. But not like that. And so that's exactly what just happened to this thing where um, so this Cornyn, he he objected. Uh, But so this thing just sailed out of the House and then it hits the Senate. And so Schumer asked to pass this under unanimous consent. Be like, any objection? Yes. Yes, there is an objection. It's John Cornyn. Uh, for no real good reason other than it's premature and we need to have some serious studies on the impact of child children's brain and pregnant woman and alike. We've and so studied like, cannabis and children's brains pretty much more than any other drug other yeah, than maybe yeah. alcohol. Seriously. Uh, right. <laughs> but then that, that's what he's like. We have to do more studies. And then what does he throw under the bus of like, we can't do this. Think of the babies. And the baby's mamas while having the babies and alike because he he just couldn't like keep. I'm assuming this is like when you say the and alike thing, that's uh, you is know how will? like you're, you're telling a lie and it's just it's so difficult for you to tell a lie. So you have oh, to kind of like throw something in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, just, honestly. <laughs> now, how frustrating is that, though? Because that's the present political talk. Right. And these guys are adults in charge of shit. So. Yeah, you know, he's the, in charge. Of, he's the senior senator from Texas. Yeah, yeah just like one of the top hundred most influential voting, you know, heads in the country. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, Tom, did you see? Because, like, again, back policy and, and regulations, and and, and uh, uh, this is how you know the rules are catching up to what is actually truth, right? Like, let's hope prohibition has done more damage to lives and, and, and families and, and, and American citizens and their society in general. But, you know, did you see in the chill and noise, uh, uh, there was a, a somebody uh, for truly works who passed away and she died from Keith, like too much Keith in a, in a, in a, like a, some sort of rolling facility. Did you see that article coming or not? The, the, the story. Oh, come I out? saw something about a uh, <clears throat> unsafe working conditions for uh, true leaf, but I didn't, I didn't really review well, it too it, much. 
it could be true a truly emotional issue because if you think about dealing with Keith, right? Like I have my little my little chingadera here that in a personal use that when I when I you know I'm not going to die from doing this, but when you're doing like hundreds of pre rolls a day, I'm pretty sure you're telling like there's an OSHA standard in needs to be a place and and, and until it's then particulate yeah. right yeah, like you can't be around dust at work whatever that dust is being generated yes. from so there's an yeah, OSHA OSHA's, they have to have the jurisdiction to go ahead and regulate it already i think they're, i think they're finding truly is the, the story that i read i could be making that up um well, i i, I want to point out though that this this kind of alarmed me or, or brought i think something that people don't realize so i'm the medical professional in the room so i always feel compelled to talk about this yeah. look cannabis allergy is a thing i can't tell you how yeah. many people who work in the industry have come to me in the last few years and been like yeah hey that allergy thing you're talking about that's me you know i break out in hives whenever i handle the whole plant or yeah. you know whenever i work in grind pre-rolls that i you know i get tightness in my chest it's very mm. possible this woman was allergic to this flower, right? Because yes. that's what people are most commonly allergic oh, to, flowers. Nice. Yeah. And, and that strongly contributed to this this response, this anaphylaxis or allergic Do you think she's like allergic to the, the cannabinoid or do you think she's allergic to something else that's in the flower? I mean, it's more than likely the, the terpenes, right? Terpenes yeah, are not terpenes. about cannabis. Terpenes are in all plants and people tend to be sensitive to plants. Yeah. They're there yeah. to resist pests They're, or attract right. other things. So it makes total sense that it's probably the terpenes. Um, but, you know, who knows if it was really dusty, it could have just been like related to, to particular. But then if they don't, if they don't have very good uh, supply chain restrictions, and this is a Florida, so the regulators, I don't think, there. like you already bought your way into the club. Welcome to the club you bought your way into. Well, um, I'm just, and, I know all then, the alcohol makers. <laughs> but, but then you have issues with molds and other things that may actually be allergens because we're talking about pre-rolls and those pre-rolls. It's not like you're taking the top shelf stuff that's banging that has bag appeal and giving it into a pre-roll. Yeah. So maybe it could also be mold. This is, I, I, okay. For sure. This is a more important reason, though. So, like those assholes like Corin who are talking about, like, oh, we want to stop studies. These are the kind of studies that need to come in place, right? Work studies. So, we, you know, we had Farmer Tom on. There was an OSHA study from his farm, like in the medical days. They showed up to his farm and like did things like measure like trimmers when they're measuring the like the the crimpers and stuff and like repetition and all the stuff. They they know like things that could happen. Well, with like the facility, like with pre rolls, doing it by the hundreds definitely should be a thing that should be uh, uh, studied. And observe and measure because you know there is like you said trichomes they're like tiny little particles of what keith is and so you know you don't you know like uh, in farms where like grain uh you know the 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 the, the dust there can be explosive you know right. mass amounts of uh, uh of of keith could be a dangerous but these are these are the things that the government should be helping with right the the, the studies and 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 proving and shit like that's you're gonna cry about the studies well here they are <laughs> The idea that we need more studies for pregnant women and children is stupid. Uh, we know that cannabis is not healthy for the developing the developing brain, and we know that it may have negative effects on on pregnancy, at least at certain doses. We've already look, studied this. Look, if you're on the East Coast, it is twenty past the hour, so use it responsibly, and we'll be back after this short break. Yeah. Have you guys ever checked out the differences between like a Rudialis plant and uh, Granddaddy Purple? No. Have I no. ever checked it out? Oh, 
Yeah, hey, check that out. All right, let's see. So this is a uh, again. I, I picked these earlier today from the farm, and so like we we're doing some low stress training, and so these are the larger fan leaves of these two particular ones, and we wanted them out of the way so that the lessers could like grow up. So this is the granddaddy purple, and then this is the rudialis, the autoflower. According to its autoflower profile, it says skittles. It, it mm. reminds me of skunk number one, but uh, in that neat. Like, look at the size of that. that well, uh, the well, difference hold on, between hold on, I, I got to chime in here. Science science yeah. alert. It, it, so, right. Ruderalis, I hear you loud and clear, the autoflower right. trait. I'm with you so far. But then you just cited a modern cannabis cultivar for a name. So, that suggests to me that that's a cross between a, a oh, sort of, of autoflower mm. and a modern variety. So, I wouldn't call it a Ruderalis. I would call it an autoflower. It's right. It's an autoflower. And then they cross the purportedly Skittles genetics with the Rudialis varietal. So, or I'm not sure varietals is the correct term there, but the, the Rudialis aspect of the plant that just starts flowering. And so it doesn't really have those huge leaves that I've seen. It, it, like the, the photo period plants will have much larger sugar leaves. And then you're like, wow. And, but then the, the, the autoflowers, they just go. Right, you don't you don't get to keep yeah. growing them like they they, they choose yeah. when the leaf is done growing versus your your uh, <clears throat> photo sent photo period sensitive you do you can keep growing the leaf just by keeping yep. the hours greater than eighteen of sun a day. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's just it's interesting to watch them, uh, and I, I really think that the autoflower genetics that they brought in over because that that did not exist like you know when I was ten in college years ago? yeah uh, <laughs> 10 years ago it might have been like super cutting edge they like hey have you heard about this thing yeah we found this yeah. weed from Russia you know and uh, it's true it'd be like that's like the place where the Rudy Alice would grow it's really really high uh is that latitude or longitude uh latitude. you know it's high up there in the latitudes so that they just they had to just go and start flowering because they really only had about three months you yeah, get that so strategy it's it's survival strategy and uh, you know, and then that's what's going to be rewarded genetically as it gets up there. You didn't get that screenshot, dude. What's when you up? had them up, no, no, no. 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 But, but like, picked this morning. Well, no, it's this morning. Yeah. When, when she's not, when she says she's not like, when you're not like other guys, and then other guys. <laughs> that's that's what you need to do, man. We need to meme it. We need to make this <laughs> yeah. into a meme. <laughs> no, no. But we did. We we got some nice low stress training going on, and so like we've. Uh, bent them fairly well, and then there should be a lot of nice little colas. And it's nice to see the the autos. They just are like a little race car, and so they'll mm. go over the course of three months, four if it's a really late finisher. They're done. You know the the photo periods though. You can make those into monsters. You know. Hmm. Yeah, you mean you can grow a photo period for basically a whole year just in veg, right? And then you could you could flip it. Uh, certain plants and varieties will stress that tolerate that better, right? But the, inherently. You can just veg a plant until you're ready to flower. Yeah. Well, the plants right. are amazing. You know, I had the 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 the, the clones that I had that I'm growing my gram. Uh, uh, so I totally abuse this plant because I got a clone. I told it's runts. I always question. I don't origin stories of things, but um, so I, I threw it first. I had it in a windowsill, and it was like pre uh, uh, summertime, so it was always light. And I, my dumbass should have put it in a dark place and gave it the, the treatment, but instead I just gave it the outside environment, and then later on put it outside. And it started flowering. And I was like, oh, shit. But then it changed because the season changed. The weather changed and the lighting changed. And then it started growing time. So I got a leaf as big as your big one, dude, now. But mm -hmm. I have no colas because my dumbass didn't do the cycle enough ahead of time in a proper area. But it's also... You need to learn how to grow. 
Well, that's what growing weeds easy, but growing good weeds fucking hard. That's the whole thing. No, no, right? there's, there's certain things that you would have done that you shouldn't have done that yeah. you didn't do, and then you know you wouldn't have had those problems. It's also a neat scene though. You're like, oh mm-hmm. shit! So, so this yeah, is what look, there's, up like. there's some bad problems with growing weed, and there's some real bad problems with selling weed. We got mm. some stock news on that one. That is uh, the types of stock news that everybody just just loves to see. Uh, this is one of those Schadenfreude kind of stories. But let's let's hit up some stock news. So anyway, uh, ten multi-state cannabis companies owe half a billion dollars to the IRS, according to Benzinga, citing a new report. This is coming out of September twenty seventh, so just this past week. Uh, financial filings by Green Market Report showed that 10 publicly traded cannabis companies are carrying over $500 million in tax liability. These are the MSOs that are on the murderer's row of this list. Uh, we're talking about Acreage Holdings, Ascend Wellness, Air Wellness, Cresco Labs, Columbia Care, Curleaf, GTI, that is Green Thumb Industries, Terra Ascend, True Leaf Cannabis, and Verano Holdings. Uh, wow. And so this is one of those deals where you have this eye popping half a billion dollars in taxes that they have. And here's their free cash flows. And so for those people that are, are following along at home uh, with with free cash flow in your business, it's like blood running through your 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 you know organism uh, mm. so that you can actually power stuff that's that's what you need that cash for you make sales you pay expenses the the overage of those is what they call profit none of the cannabis companies that we just mentioned and these are the largest effing msos that are out there have any money mm. none if the feds kick down their doors and take what is owed to them they're all gone is there so why are you gonna buy the stock then technically from private investors or how are they staying afloat then how does this thing that's uh, family to- offices got involved very early and so family mm. offices get involved when you're at the ppm stage usually this was 2016 ish uh because verano actually came out in 17 and so like verano didn't win the licenses in 15 and then those licenses couldn't capitalize themselves really until 17 because there just was nothing just nothing uh and uh, so they they had to raise all this money Uh, And then they were all doing this. We will block out the sun, use HPS light, (laughs) and the most biggest things. And so they're all building a massive world with weed. Yeah. Well, yes. So they they do the straight up Canada fuck up. And and the Canada fuck up is, uh, you know, not hybrid greenhouse, not regenerative farming, not really minding your margins (laughs) or your price per pound. Uh, and then uh, people having all this real estate and all this other crap. And so now uh, they also wanted to go vertical. And so like as you go vertical, you get into retail and retail is not a very good way to make money. Uh, it's OK, you know, because like you thin market up 100 everywhere. No matter no, what the right. industry, retail is thin. Yeah, what well, about, what are you, Kroger, for example, what, what, what's the name of your guys's grocery store? Kroger. Nice. I'm in the Midwest. Uh, yeah. uh, Cody, what, what what's the name of the grocery store that you guys go to out there? I go to Ralph's. Oh, Ralph's. shit. California, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it, buddy. Ralph's in California. And Miggy, yeah. what's your grocery store? We got a Fred Meyer who's also owned by Kroger, who's also owns QFC out here. Fred what? Myers. Yeah. yeah. And, and so because of that, you know, everybody has their own little locations. 
What? So, because the Kroger, I mean, like that, that's like, I get they own, and then, so like with these MSOs, though, to own the government, half a million first off, how does the IRS factors like taxing these guys when there's no tax code for them to even use? Like, how is this like? Oh, no, there is. Like, this is how we got Capone. Uh, And it's the royal we, it's the American we. He wasn't paying his taxes. And so the IRS got a hold of one of his books. Like, you know, and so like back in the day, they didn't have like spreadsheets and, and firewalls and shit. They right. had book. And so like one of his guys had got popped and he was the bookkeeper that they popped. And so he had books. And by that, I mean, at least two sets because there's the set that they report. And then there's the real books. books. The off the book, the off the book <laughs> books, right? You know, <laughs> our profit margin is three percent off of the book books, twenty five. You know, and so what happened out of the money? What money? You know, mm. uh, uh, but that that's kind of what it is. I mean, however, here's a great quote from the the CEO of, of Verano: um, Do the MSOs plan to pay their debt? If so, when and how? Now, this is from Benzinga, not really a fly by night publication. Yeah. Uh, but part of our capital allocation strategy is to lengthen our tax payment cadence. Verano CEO George Archos recently told shareholders in an earnings call. The strategy is not unique to Verano and has been utilized by other large U.S. companies. The cost of penalties and interest for this is significantly below the available cost of debt. And so uh, payment plans. That's how they're going to pay their debt. I'm sorry, their taxes owed. And so a capital stack in a company uh, kind of represents like the senior creditors at the lower end all the way up to the equity holders. So they're kind of stuffing the IRS toward the the lower end of that, like with senior creditors. So now in like future publications, they're going to be like, well, yeah, we made $18 billion last year, but we owed them 64. So you made nothing. I mean, they're talking about a long game. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the money side. But, but Cody, what's your as a as a uh, as a as a doctor? What are you a doctor in? What's your uh, your background? So I have a, a doctor in pharmacology, technically the practice of pharmacy. So I'm a I'm a pharmacist in the in okay. the most uh, real sense. I work in a pediatric hospital overnight in an emergency department. So you know, if you're in a car accident or your child is in Orange County at 1 a.m. and they come to the emergency department, they're going to see me and a team of other specialists waiting to to. Oh my God! So. Yeah, like, so I don't I don't count pills like you would imagine. I, I usually yeah. deal with patients directly in in the emergency department or with nurses, uh, sterile product production, all that sort of stuff. Well, you 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 got a reputable background as far as you know being a laborer, right? Being someone a technician on the hands on, on a boots on the ground. I always think it's funny how like you know right now I was, I was talking about earlier. It's an election season, right? And I was just watching some bullshit about like uh, with the Republicans some speech they were talking about with the working man, and I'm just like. How, how is it that so many people have been fooled by someone who has no experience, like no actual work? You know, I'm goddamn almost 50, and it took me 20 years to finally get to a point where I can actually make a living off of what I do as a technician. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of background, education, you know, being out there. And I was going to joke earlier is uh, Tom's a lawyer by day. I'm an electronic technician by uh, day. At night, we're a kenologist. You know, like, and so, like, that's kind of your same deal. Yeah, because, but flip it. By night, I'm a pharmacist, and by yeah. day, I'm a cannabinoidologist. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, you're a nice shift, too. Thanks for staying up with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, I woke up in the middle of this is my 2 a.m., gentlemen. That's how excited I was to, to oh, share cool. this goal with you. Yeah. Very well, cool. thank you so much because you work when other people sleep, and that's the, the nature of the beast. People get sick all day. Or like something can go wrong all day. You just can't take the the night off. It's not like a bank. 
It's like, no, we work from nine until five, except on holidays. And then uh, towards the end of the year. And then also on Fridays, we like to close at three. A business day. I'm like, what does that mean? A business day. (laughs) Business doesn't happen on Saturdays. Like things just stop. People don't get hurt. No one has. It turns out the business is still happening. It's just not the banking that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Back when I used to work as a a bank lawyer, it would be great because then uh, there was bank holidays, which is like, you know, you hear like uh, other, other like, you know, uh, ethnicities will have holidays. Like the Jewish New Year just happened, and Yom Kippur is coming up next. Uh, you know, in, in a couple of days here, and so like you'll know other cultures' holidays, and then suddenly you realize that banks also have holidays. Yeah. They're their but own you, culture. Did you have any fear though when when you're going to use the word farmy pharmaceutical when you associate with cannabis? You know, I think that's another thing that we're having to get past as far as prejudices go because we deal with the policy and, and cops but like cannabis in a pharmacy right like that's pharmacopoeia you know these are separate it's not a like big pharma's taking over no it's, a, it's just a thing that we have to understand as cannabis is pharmaceutical it is a wellness thing that everybody should have an option for yeah absolutely it's, it's so it's a, it's a utility or like i said it can be the insulation or it can be it can be this medicine but i guess where, where I would start is, look, cannabis has long been medicine, okay? Going back thousands of years, in, in the first ever reported pharmacopoeia, first written down in the year 200, but first re- thought to be recorded orally in verbal tradition 4,000 years before Christ, right? We think that the Chinese emperor, a mythical man named Shen Nung, actually wrote down 500 herbs, 200 that you should take every day, 200 that you should only use when you're, uh, like, like, oh, when you have to, and then a 200 that you should avoid unless you're super ill. Cannabis was in the first category. Use this shit every day. And this is the oldest book of medicine known to man. Now, b- building from there, until 1943, in the United States, cannabis was... Like you obtained it from the druggist, the pharmacist. You didn't go to a doctor for a prescription. You came immediately to the pharmacy and said, let me get that Indian hemp oil, please. Uh, and there were multiple major pharmaceutical companies making it. Eli Lilly and, and numerous other longstanding U.S.-based pharmaceutical companies had their own grow. They even had their own variety, Cannabis Americana. They, they had their oh. own strain. Uh, and so this is, this is not new. Right? What happened is Prohibition wiped a history right, and, yeah. and whitewashed it, whatever we want to say. And now we're coming back to fruition. The pharmacist has always been the medicine expert. Cannabis is medicine. So I'm ready to fight that stigma till I'm blue in the face, but you're right. It's not common. I would also point out one other thing. I work in a pediatric hospital. Uh, We have on formulary, FDA approved, three cannabinoids, right? Three products. I have Marinol, synthetically derived Delta 9 THC. I have Syndros, synthetically derived Delta 9 THC liquid, which is a Schedule II substance, by the way, on equivalent with oxycodone. And I, uh, and then I also carry CBD Epidiolex, which oh, wow. hilariously was also a controlled substance when it was first approved by the FDA. It was a Schedule V, more, more uh, dangerous than Sudafed that you have to go behind the counter wow. in the pharmacy. Oh. But that has since come away. They did a study. They found that it's not. It has no abuse potential, and so it's no longer a controlled substance. But but all those yeah. that CBD epidiolex is plant derived from in British hemp, and they're making it into into a CBD isolate. So I'm dealing with cannabinoids already. 
I do yeah. this in my profession already, regardless of what the marijuana industry is doing. <laughs> but uh, so there's studies uh, that go back to the original pharmacopoeia. That's a, what did they say? Did they say, use weed? And it took all the way back 6,000 years ago. Then why is this guy, you know, this is John Cornyn, <laughs> the Texas senator, calling for more studies? Like, uh, how can you even defend and, and offer that if you would just look at the scientific facts when it comes to what the pharmacopoeia is? You know, I think we know that this is prohibitionist propaganda, like bullshit. I mean, we 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 already know that. Look, we do need more studies. We're seeing problems with cannabis that we didn't historically see. Once again, I'm on the front lines of this. I work in a pediatric hospital, right? I see yeah. kids who are misusing cannabis. I promise it happens sometimes. I see little yeah. two-year-olds who took illegal 300 milligram gummies and come in nearly comatose. Yeah. I see wow. patients who have to be admitted to the ICU overnight, right? But I also see 14-year-olds who took five dab pen hits and they're freaking the fuck out and they have to come to the hospital because they don't know what to do. Their heart is racing. Yeah. They think they're dying, blah, blah, blah. This is all real. Like whether yeah, people right. want to love cannabis or not, I see this every day. And but we then need to that research child's this. freaking out. If they had been educated yeah. about what this thing is since they were born and like their parents were too, and they didn't have to overcome this hurdle of stigma and just propaganda BS that you have when you have the cannabis plant for its medicine. How much easier would it for that person? They wouldn't be there. That blip wouldn't be there. It'd be like, oh, this. Yes. I knew, I, yeah, I knew some, what to give expect. Give me some lemon and some cracked pepper and get me by a fresh window and a glass of water. And then we'll go to the hospital in 10 minutes. This yeah. too shall pass yeah. is what the, that individual <laughs> would know. But you're yeah. absolutely right. Because you're right. it would not be talking. It wouldn't be stigmatized. It wouldn't be like, oh, I've never talked to my parents about weed. That would be mm, too right. dangerous. Right. But you don't have any problem talking about other herbs, even if it's a psychoactive herb. You know? I don't like, like cilantro, mom. I don't <laughs> like it. You know? <laughs> you know, and if oh, if it, you don't like the smell of cilantro, don't eat it. <laughs> well, it's it's the drug ignorance that we have, you know, that I'm always talking about. But it, it leads to stupid stuff happening. You know, like uh, I always say, it's like the preacher daughter syndrome, right? Like, ah, uh, you, you're all of a sudden the world's loose to you, and not everything is evil as you were taught. And then you're like, oh, it's uh, uh, not, you know, cannabis is not the equation of heroin and all this other shit. It's 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 something that we should be understanding that either you do like you were saying about the allergic. Some people are allergic to it. Some people have CHS is a thing, right? Cannabis from it, I see it every week. You know, all of this is not a reason to still put people in jail, though. That's what it comes down to. The reason why I'm always here talking with Tom, right? Like all the society ills that happen from cannabis is from ignorance. It's not from like the actual plant. It's going to jump it out and get you. It's like you yes. just didn't understand what you were fucking doing. You know? Right. Absolutely. I think that's that's what I think we need to re be researching is like, OK, what are people really doing with the plant and how is it really affecting them? Not like uh, we're going to you know, try to make correlations with loose data. Look, yes. people are smoking weed all day, every day right all now. Day. And yeah. they would probably be like, yeah, you can you can study me. That'd be cool. Right, <laughs> like most of them would be like, sure, yeah, follow man. me around. <laughs> yeah, man. Like what what we got to do, because I've like looked at this uh, because I do a lot of the SEO crap. And so cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome, uh, we should do the webinar on that uh, because then we will be the number one result. And oh, evidently, yeah. that's the only thing that people search for because everything. Well, no, uh, it is a legal topic. 
And so Google, when you're typing in something, will start auto-populating what the most common searches are, mm. except for yeah, cannabis drugs. Yeah, or yeah, marijuana. And so they, they, they block that out. And so if you start typing in cannabis into a search engine, the first result is hypermesis syndrome. Ah, okay. Interesting. So this is the algorithm sending people to learn about this. Right. Like a scare so tactic. We had a webinar because like you're a doctor, yeah. you know about this shit. And I'd be like, welcome, you know, uh, joining us is going to be Dr. Cody going to go all over all the people. And then I just get to ask you questions. It'll be result one. It'd be great. You know, wonderful marketing. Uh, and then you'd have all these people asking you questions that get published and, and uh, you know, quoted in various places that not that you're not already, of course, but then that's just how it works because then that's the only data they're going to allow through yeah. that they're, you're going to be able to see is the legal data. And that's algorithms what I have really consequences. And this is a, yeah. this is a problem with modernity that has not yet come to reckon with is algorithms do things that yeah. we don't even understand, especially when you start talking about large social networks, you know, like things can happen inadvertently. We've seen this when we turn AI on, right? And it, it becomes racist or like, oh. you know, like we all this, all this Twitter bots that they've seen. So yeah. I think we're in, we're in one hell of a time to be alive, gentlemen, both from cannabis, but also technology. Oh, yeah. I, I'm here for it. I don't know about y'all. Oh, good. No, but I think Tom is a great man. Let's do the CHS uh, talk. I just did a yeah. YouTube series on it. Nice. Oh, great. Great. Well, we have another. This one was trending this week. This is a kind of an interesting one that we have. Uh, it has to do more with a, a medical story. and it's, it's out of normal. So let's cover this one real quick. All right. Normal is reporting that a study of post-operative cannabis use has been associated with an opioid sparing effect. This is out of the normal uh, blog, and it's by them, so as a, as a group from uh, September 29th. So patients who self-report consuming cannabis following hip or knee surgery are less likely than non-users to engage in the long-term use of prescription opioids, according to data published in Arthroplasty Today. And, and that's that's one of those things where I go like, is that a safety publication? Is this really a publication? <laughs> so I always then copy it and hit search Google for Ophthalmoplasty today. It is a real publication, evidently. And uh, there we go. So you can subscribe to it. Is that um, big limbs? Kind of is that what that is? Yeah, it looks like, you know, they publish quite a bit of stuff, too. I see over here on the right, you know, this this little uh, trend yeah. I yeah. see. Yeah. What is, what is that, though? Arthroplasty? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it has to do with like uh like the operation on joints, you know, okay, like yeah, hip and knee. Oh uh, yeah, like think arthritis yeah. or like mm. you know, uh, plasty, meaning like surgery. So like, but like just yeah, yeah. But so this study is kind of like a pain study, though, right? Is what they're referring to. I mean, probably. Well, yeah. I mean, people have knee knee and hip surgery, man, and yeah. then afterwards they have to get opioids. Uh, yeah, it's hurt. like well, a son of a bitch. They're going in there. Have pain I mean, yeah. like, so like you don't have to, you don't have to get opioids, but. You got to treat that pain because you're going to have pain. And so very and often nope. and inflammation, do opioids help with inflammation? Nope. Cannabis. Oh, As cannabis the promise, the THC looks is not very promising. The, the studies, if we there was a nice uh, review that came out recently looking at all the cannabinoids and their effect on inflammation. And while none of the data is good, go figure, right? Because no one wants oh. to put money into it. Mm. Uh, what we did see is, is THC might have a mild anti-inflammatory effect. CBD and other cannabinoids might even have a more powerful anti-inflammatory effect. And it's even mediated. You don't you've heard of your CB1 receptor and your CB2 receptor in your ECS. 
No, no, it's bigger. It's part of the thing that I'm always ranting on about it. Your endocannabinoid ohm, this larger mm. endocannabinoid system, and mm. other receptors you've never even heard of, like PPARs and GPR55 mm. and some other really Please. interesting pharmacology. I've never heard of GPR55. Thanks, Dr. Cody. <laughs> uh, and so like, but then they, they got some more stuff. Uh, the study helps shed light on what role, if any, cannabis should play in part of an opioid-sparing multimodal pain protocol after and then TTJA is total joint anthroplasty. And so like, let's say you're going to get your knee or hip replaced. That is not like outpatient procedures. That is an investment in, in yourself so that you can fix whatever's been broken and you can get a few more decades. Uh, but I love this. This is finally something that is now becoming a thing. Opioid sparing multimodal pain protocols. Uh, let's hope that those kind of like proliferate and that's yeah. what allows cannabis to get back into the pharmacopoeia and into the good graces of the medical profession because i just feel like it's been like it's like a persona non grata you know like when it comes to doctors it's too neglected mm. and we're not teaching doctors in in pharmacy school or in in medical school about the endocannabinoid system therefore they feel unprepared when they get into into the world and their patients are using it i love this because this is the way cannabis is going to integrate it's not cannabis is the fix for everything we can only use cannabinoids first no yeah. it's integrating the two worlds because physicians are not going to forget their training and leave it behind and cannabis as good of a medicine as it might be will not fix all of the world's problems so this right. is the type of approach that we need an integrative thoughtful approach to reduce harm by leveraging a much safer herb hmm. yeah but look at that look at that that uh so self-reported and then I'm not sure about that next word. Perioperative cannabis use. Perioperative, post, like after surgery. Okay. Uh, perioperative. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Uh, <laughs> just significantly reduce the number of patients that persistently use opioids greater than 90 days after TJA from 9.5 to 1.4%. Mm. That, that is a spread. That is a spread. I mean, opioids in 2021 were one of the largest killers in the United States after cancer, heart disease, and the coronavirus. Uh, and 100, so... 100,000 dead in 2020. But I think a lot of part of it is the ignorance. That we, that. We, and then, like, yeah. well, I'm not saying that they get... You're right. They get like a... I'm not saying it's, they get like a hip replacement. That's usually older. But maybe there's... Uh, I don't know. There's a blight of opioid like outrages in the older population that use that... That have gotten hip replaced. Uh but usually it is, it arises from a prescription for pain that is legitimate, but then. Historically, anyway, especially historically, yeah. this was the, this was the, the racket, frankly, is that pharmaceutical companies advertise these drugs to doctors as very safe and effective for many, many, yeah. many things. And they started prescribing them and then individuals became hooked and there was a good steady supply. Unfortunately, now it's a little even more messed up. You know, it's not always even a prescription that people are getting hooked on it's press pills from the street right snapchat drugs and all sorts of craziness out there now oh, uh, yeah. just because opioid prescribing historically has been a really big problem but they have seriously cracked down we are at a, we are in a different phase of the opioid epidemic mm -hmm. well. it is not prescription opioids that are killing people it is fentanyl coming from giant oh, yeah. drug labs you know internationally and it's being slipped into every every substance pill form type of drug that you can like it's trying to water it down right it's another reason to legalize the plant and maybe some other stuff uh, because the purity and the quality control 
and then the the benefits, you know man. the person the yeah, it's benefits it's regulated and so you know the person that's checking your id you know to make sure that you can buy that terrible thing that you shouldn't be buying that's just going to waste your life and all this other stuff but uh, at least then you'd have those types of things it's just it, when you when you have when you don't regulate drugs at all then you really open up the market for the person who's like i got what you're looking for oh yeah that's 100% take that risk that's part of the uh, like safe access and all the other things we talk about cody what's your take on the entourage effect like with all the cannabinoids that we see going on, you know, like it is a medicine, you know, we can probably tailor the plant somehow for like a stronger cannabinoid of one or another. But like, you know, I didn't even think about like THC being like the anti-inflammatory part of it. I just thought the whole plant was like part of the anti-inflammatory section of it. You know what I mean? Like what is the special sauce for an entourage effect? And, or is, does it even a thing? Cause I saw on chill and noise, they question it and then cause a lot of like, hair is like oh fuck you it's a thing you know everybody gets very sensitive around this topic yeah. Look, anecdotally right self-report people in the world are screaming the entourage effect is real it's the terpenoids it's the ter- you know it's the sense of cannabis um I, here's my take on the entourage i just did a cannabis 360 which is uh which is a little event where we did this and i had a debate essentially with peter kogan who is sort of the naysayer of, of the PhD pharmaceutical world. He even wrote a, a counter to Ethan Russo's paper. He says it was called the entourage effect in the hodgepodge bagosh of polypharmacology. Yep. Uh, and and he, he really feels passionately that this has been mostly a conjecture and, and sort of imagination. Now, here's what I'll say. The underlying data of the entourage effect, taming THC in the papers before that, this was not strong science. Even I think if you ask Dr. Russo himself today, did you want more data? He would said, absolutely, I'd like more data. He was extrapolating as best he could based on his own experience and based on the limited literature that he could find. It is an extremely contentious thing, but here's my stance. My thing, there is now good evidence to suggest that when THC is combined with CBD, we have clear like interactions, right? So with a tiny bit of CBD and a large dose of THC, we actually see an augmentation we tend to see more intoxication or, or impairment with that combo. But once you get that ratio around one to one or two to one CBD to THC, you get a ceiling effect where you, you actually don't get as intoxicated while consuming that, that CBD alongside. And then obviously a high CBD variety can almost temper all the, the high experience. So for yeah. me, synergy starts with cannabinoids. Look, all plants make terpenes. I get it that they, they smell nice and they help remind us of what helps us feel better. But in this pharmacist's opinion, this pharmacologist's opinion, this is a cannabinoid first conversation. And then terpenes, yeah, they, they might have their role, but terpenes are in all plants. Okay, well, not just you know, cannabis. That's a great point to make to go into our name that strain because terpenes play a role. And that one, as we talk about your olfactory senses, that's right, the smell of it. So let's uh, let's do a little bit of name that strain. This is an overlay that is, like, fortunately, we do this so late into the feed that the, uh, the algorithm doesn't really, like, scrape this. Moreover, the algorithm kind of picks up, they don't pick up this. Uh, and, and so they pick up a lot of the cannabis plant like it's yeah. leaf structure and other things that's why we don't really like to feature it much in the uh, thing okay. uh, there it is 
So great. That is a, that's a that's a one of the granddaddies. It's not a land race, but it's that first generation of uh, weed fluorescence. Oh, even those that those uh, Indian varieties, right? These the granddaddy mm. would would be uh, an indica, correct? Uh, yes, this is an indica, but not from India, but an adjacent neighbor. Yes, oh. mm. uh, and it's one of those where this thing is also the backbone of so many genetics, uh, and, and this one is in flower, and it looks like it's in it's in heavy flower, but it's yeah, still I mean, got time. It's got time, like it's okay. not ripe. I mean, you can see on its on its uh, pistols that they aren't they aren't sunken in yet and that the frostiness isn't there and the green of the leaves is still very pronounced and so it's a heavy flower but it still probably has a couple of weeks before it'll be finished it looks uh, wet so that's 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 it um this is um something like the, if you go all the way back to probably one of the first ones that it doesn't have it does not have a land race name and so it's not going to have a name that's geographical but it does have a number after it for like a phenotype i'm assuming yeah and the smell, the name of it, the smells like sometimes you refer to things. Of course, like you know, you might you might smell this when you are uh, driving down the street, uh, depending on where you are. We had a British guy on once, <laughs> and they explained to us that they don't have these in uh, Britain. And so I'm like, wait, so you guys don't know what one of these things smells like? And he goes, No, I'm like, that's messed up, bro. So uh, the and, I, and I'm trying my best to not like. Tell I know what it is, and I'm like looking through. It's not lemon, you know. No, uh, also no. Ah, we got it. Oh, we got it. Where is it? Okay, somebody's way down there. Mike West. Ain't, ain't gorilla glue and either uh, skunk, and then Mike West with the actual pheno. Uh, yeah. Wait, hey, more, more, more comments came in. And so uh, <laughs> sometimes it gets one. gone. Yep. <laughs> But that's it. Uh, skunk number one. It is uh, one of, if not the, this is one of the ones that started at all. Uh, now, it's not clearly the one that started at all, but you can say that it is one of the ones. And because well, it goes back like, you know, first 70s. bloomed in the late 70s, you know, yeah. Afghani, Acapulco, and Colombian gold. So you're talking about crossing. Yeah, like it's a, a real- hybrid in the truest sense, huh? Like a real cross. That's right. And that stuff like smells skunky. And evidently skunks are not uh, a thing in, in Britain. Yeah. And so like they, they call it skunk weed there. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. So like, do you think it smells like skunks? And then and they go like, they're just blank. They, they have no idea what we're talking about. And I'm like, you don't have skunks in London? And like, he's like, no, like, they, so they don't have skunks. Wait, wait, is this scientific? Or did like the Londoners just like murder the skunk? They were just like so upset by how putrid this <laughs> They wiped it out. Like, is the skunk I don't know. Extinct? Or did it just never live on the British Isles? Yeah. Maybe, 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 I don't think I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to be distracted. <laughs> but like that's the thing where it's like these guys were also lawyers and they 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 might have even been barristers and so they yeah. they were like they were trying to maybe pull it over on us. Uh, however, uh, probably not. I mean, I just don't think that they have skunks in Britain, even though they call it skunk weed. And yeah. I think skunk weed arrives from the skunk number one. And of course, where was this stuff usually first bred? Probably in. Here it is. We see Royal Queen. We see Dutch Passion, Sensi, Flying Dutchman. 
that so we're talking about Amsterdam, Amsterdam, which is very well, close to Britain, by the according way. According to the uh, uh, Canada Connection history on this, the first skunk variety uh, was made by a collective from Californian grow- growers known as Sacred Seeds. Uh, collective was led by David Watson, better known as Sam the Skunk Man. Yep. So California is the, it's a crossing between Acapulco Gold and Columbia Gold with a short, fast flowering and resilient Afghani lemon race, uh, according to the Canna Connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Sure. But yeah, that was okay. the uh, weed history we had. Dad, you find something on skunks? All right, all right. Now we got to talk about the real skunks. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to look this up. So 